when you put yourself in the shoes of the other person and think, the least I can do is be polite and tell them so they can move on rather than having them trying to reach you again and again. It's, it's just, it's not professional, it's not mature, and it's really not a good way to be starting your career. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, I just want to say thank you so much for checking us out. If you have any questions you're wrestling with, if you know of a guest that can make a great person that we could interview, or you just want to get a hold of one of our faculty and get some expert advice, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. If for anybody who has ever been on an online dating website, uh, if you've used a dating app in the past, it's no secret we all know this term called ghosting. Whether that's happened to you specifically or you know of a friend who's been ghosted by someone who they've been pursuing, maybe gone on a couple dates with, and then all of a sudden, nothing. And on today's episode, we are going to address ghosting in the business world. We're sitting down with Professor Liz Melatesnik, Senior Lecturer here at the Kelly School of Business in downtown Indianapolis. Liz, welcome to the ROI Podcast. Thank you, Matt. So let's get into this idea of ghosting. You know, we've seen it, we've heard about it. um, We've maybe even had that happen to us, not just as uh, people seeking a romantic partner, but also as hiring managers. So let's, let's... Bring it back a little bit to what this idea of ghosting is for those who maybe be out of the loop per se. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenon that has been occurring increasingly more in the last couple of years. And a lot of that is tied to employment rates or low unemployment rates, if you will. There are plenty of opportunities for people out there. And so um, potential employees are being pickier and they're not necessarily feeling obligated to let you know that they found something else, whether that means not showing up for an interview or sometimes not even showing up for the first day of work, unfortunately. Which is quite alarming, too. I mean, when you think about someone who gets this awesome opportunity, you know, you'd think it'd be a celebration to have two or three job offers, you know? Yeah, it's it's been a surprise, I think, to a lot of employers because they find that they're not getting the professionalism that they might expect, although... I think there are a lot of people in the workforce who would argue that employers haven't done a really good job of giving the respect in terms of following up with candidates, providing information, um, just keeping that process going. So I think it's been really frustrating for employers, and it's been kind of surprising. If you bring up the term ghosting to any HR people, there's immediate recognition, and they've got stories for you right away. And it's very frustrating, especially if you spend a lot of time sourcing candidates and recruiting and kind of walking them through this process. And you think, okay, they're going to be here Monday. This is great. We're done. We got this filled. And then they don't show up. And it can be incredibly um, time-consuming, incredibly expensive. You know, uh, SHRM, which is a Society for Human Resource Management, estimates that each job costs over $4,000 to fill. And when you're talking about executive level positions, it's much higher than that. So there's a big investment of time and money. And again, it's, it's a real disappointment. And some, some recruiters kind of take it personally. They feel like, you know, I've, I found this person, this job, they're a great fit where everybody's happy. And wait a minute, they're not even returning my calls right now. And 
while maybe it doesn't hurt as much as in the dating world, it certainly uh, can be painful. Yeah. And now is this something that, you know, in, in your research you've done, is this limited to just entry level jobs where you're just seeing, um, you know, the very first job right out of college or like, as you said, are we, are we scaling this and seeing this even in the executive world or is there a threshold? You know, it definitely is more common at the entry level, but certainly professional jobs of all sorts, they find this to be true. And again, it's a function of the economy and that there are job other jobs available. And so for whatever reason, sometimes candidates will be maybe interviewing with two companies at the same time. Uh, they get an offer from one. They want to wait to see what the other one's doing. And instead of simply calling and saying, I need more time, they just don't answer their phone and return messages. And it becomes a real headache for employers. Sure. And sitting in, you know, the spot where you sit, where you're teaching the next line of HR professionals, I'm sure you've had your own bouts or own stories that you've heard from your students. I mean, do you have any, any stories of ghosting? Yeah, I just heard from one student recently and he was talking about a situation. Now this was a very entry level position, but it was in a hospital. And so they had multiple steps, several interviews, and this person actually drove in quite a way for the interviews. And then when you work in a hospital, of course, you've got some health tests you have to go through for public health reasons. And so this individual did all those. So Several trips, probably maybe a total of five, uh, was ready to start on a Monday and didn't show up and didn't return their phone calls. And they never, and as a matter of fact, this individual saw this person working elsewhere later and just said, well, that was awkward. So getting into um, the organizational level, you know, for those who are managers in HR, those who have um, buy-in to bring individuals, what can an organization, you know, start looking at to maybe work to start preventing ghosting from even happening in the first place? You know, I don't think you can prevent it entirely simply because of economic reasons, but I do think that you can impact it. And we spend a lot of time in our HR courses talking about building this candidate experience and so that uh, they do feel wanted. There's a real tendency among employers, unfortunately, to not be very responsive, to drag their feet in hiring, and when that happens, people do start looking elsewhere. So we talk about being responsive, keeping in touch. I know it's popular right now in some areas to even just communicate through text, which employees or potential employees say they like. But what you lose there is that human touch. And so I would feel much more obligated to call somebody back that I had been talking with on the phone rather than somebody I had just been texting with. There's just not that personal connection so we talk about following up. We talk about, um, you know, thanking applicants because here's the thing. So you don't get your first choice applicant. So you're going to go to the second choice person. If you didn't treat them well along the way, why would they be interested in working for you? There's a term in the industry. They talk a lot about silver medalists. So in other words, they weren't your gold medalist candidate, but boy, that person is a really good candidate as well. And so a lot of companies will actually try to maintain relationships with those silver medalists, just occasionally touching base in case an opening comes up in the future. And that's really interesting that it is a human touch element. You know, one of those things we talk about technology and innovation being kind of the way of the future. And, you know, even as to applying for jobs, I mean, applying for jobs is almost like finding a date right now. You know, those are kind of synonymous where, you know, you're, you're just hitting one button and you got this easy apply. So the buy-in as a employee, you know, potential employee isn't all that great, but a couple clicks and maybe a few exactly. entry fields. And then, 
yet when it comes down to communication, it seems like there could be a breakdown. So as you know, as an HR manager or someone seeking after potential, you know, and new employees to get them on board, what are some common practices uh, that could more involve some of that human touch elements to uh, make more of a personal connection versus just the emails and the texts? You know, I think maintaining that contact is really important. We're 10 years away from a time when unemployment was pretty high and employers kind of took things for granted. And so there's kind of a loss of loyalty that potential applicants might feel because they just don't feel that employers are necessarily going to treat them well. So, you know, again, managing that candidate experience, keeping up with communication and also um, speed of process. Too many companies drag it out. They take uh, take their time. Um, they wait weeks and months to fill a position. And when there are so many jobs available out there, you just don't have that time available. Now, I don't recommend jumping to conclusions and hiring the wrong person. Certainly, you want to do your due diligence as far as hiring is concerned. But unnecessarily dragging it out because so-and-so is going on vacation and, oh, we'll think about that later. We've got this project we're going to, we need to finish first. All of a sudden the candidates already moved on and you've lost them. So it seems like it's, it's embracing, like, you know, you want to put yourself almost in the candidate's shoes because it's, you know, a juggling act. It's not that you're the potentially the top candidate or the top employer that they're seeking. I mean, they're, they're also trying to find a place where they fit and it's kind of this almost ballet of, you know, figuring out. So it raises an interesting question. What are some common lengths or how long should an employer wait or, you know, how long, what, what does a quick process look like? You know, it really varies on the industry. Um, I was just reading something today. It was a retail industry and they said they offer same day. And actually what retailers are doing right now, because they have to hire so many people, especially in seasonal times, that they're overhiring, knowing that not everybody's going to show up and that probably, you know, they'll lose some of those people pretty quickly. So they're actually overhiring. You can't do that, obviously, for a lot of positions. So I really think it's dictated by the industry you're in, but that doesn't dictate your communication. So get back to them, let them know where you are. It's amazing how many companies, and you know, 10 years ago, companies could get away with this, but now companies say, well, we'll get back to you. People aren't patient enough for that anymore, and they don't have to be. That's the problem. You have to realize they don't have to be that patient. There are other jobs out there, and they'll move on. And even if they don't find something right away, they're going to look at how you treated them and think, I don't think that's somebody I want to work for, and go ahead and move on. And one thing I love is uh, for those listening, if you really want to take a deep dive into this, Liz wrote an awesome uh, article for the IBJ uh, about ghosting. And we want to break some of those down, bring some of those principles in for employers to kind of help prevent um, as best as you can, at least you can cover um, your rear and do everything that you can to at least make this experience as best as possible um, so that, you know, you can't, hopefully you don't beat yourself up you know, at the end of the day when someone ghosts, ghosts you. Um, so one of the first things you know, she talks about is just making it personal. And that's something we've kind of, um, you know, started to talk in. And what are some examples of how can a recruiter or an HR manager, someone that's involved with the candidates begin to build some of those personal communication streams? Well, you know, a lot of people try to avoid the telephone, but having that voice communication can make a big difference because now you're a person to me. You're not just some 
the computer. You are a person to me. So having that voice communication, um, letting them know. And then if there are delays, a lot of companies are, are guilty of this. If there are delays for some reason, because somebody does go on vacation or something strange happens, get back in touch and let them know, hey, just want you to know, sorry, we're still going through this process, but we've had a slight delay, you know, and here's our time frame now. People, if they want the job, they will wait for that. But too often companies just kind of think, well, we can't do anything, so we'll get back to them later. And getting back to them later can be too late. And it's almost just being being transparent in your communication. If there's going to be delay, letting them know there's going to be a delay. Very or- much so. Very much so. You know, what employers sometimes forget is the balance of power in the whole hiring process has kind of shifted. Because again, 10 years ago, employers had all the power because a lot of people were looking for jobs and there weren't enough jobs out there. Now there are more jobs to fill than there are people to fill them. And so employees have more power. And so employers have to internalize that. The second thing uh, the article goes on to say is examine your hiring process. What do you mean by that? What I mean is, are you utilizing the best means to find people, number one, and to reach out to them And are you wasting time in that process? Are you putting people through unnecessary hoops? A lot of companies are doing what they always did and times are not like they always were. And so you have to take a step back and take a fresh look at what we're doing. Is it working for us? And really analyze what does work for us and what's not working for us anymore. So for someone that is in the HR world, how would you lead them if you were to consult them to um, go through their own hiring process to be able to experience what a potential candidate for a position would might go through? I think you have to really start at the beginning. For a lot of companies, even the application process is cumbersome. And I can't remember the statistic I read the other day, but an unbelievable amount of people just stop midway through an application because it's too long. Or companies are very high on testing right now, personality testing, all these different kinds of tests. And a lot of those take time online. So unless a candidate really wants to work for you, they're going to move on. So I do think it is useful to go ahead and kind of walk through that process and see where you're losing people. Because certainly you can track that. So where are you losing people? And then figure out why. And that's going to be, I feel for a lot of organizations, a pretty sobering experience to maybe see, you know, they had an idea of why they wanted to implement, you know, personality test, or it makes sense in the process, yet in, in application or in the actual, you know, going through it, it kind of seems to fall apart. So it sounds like, you know, as an organization, be ready to um, have a sobering moment and be okay with that. Absolutely. You have to... Things have changed dramatically. When you talk about the recruiting world, companies are recruiting in many different ways. They're using Instagram, they're using Facebook, and um, you really have to keep up in the recruiting world. It's it's pretty competitive out there. And finally, she goes on. Uh, Liz goes on to say, understand this is the new norm, at least for now, and being comfortable just knowing that this could happen. Absolutely, it's. I, I was just reading uh, somebody saying, you know, if the economy moves south again, then the employers, the, the balance of power shifts back to employers. But this is what we're dealing with now. And I think there's a, a willingness among candidates now to not respond, which wasn't there before. And so that's where that whole human touch and 
talking to people will really help. Interestingly, you talk about the different generations and supposedly Gen Z, which is the post-millennial generation, they like the verbal communication, whereas the millennials were supposedly more interested in just uh, virtual communication. Gen Z wants more interpersonal communication. So that's something important to keep in mind. And it seems like it doesn't matter whether the, the economy is in a great spot where the all the potential candidates have all the power or, you know, we're kind of in a recession or a slowdown and all the employers have the power. A lot of these principles are transcendent between the two that if you adopt these, I mean, it doesn't matter what season or wherever we are in the economy, you have the best shot of getting some of the best talent that is going to be out there. You know, I think so. And I think part of what recruiters have to remember is to make it about the candidate. Too often companies, uh, you know, we're a great company to work for. Here's what we have to offer. We have ping pong tables. We have beer in the fridge, all these kinds of things. People don't really care about that. What they really want to know is you want them and that you think they can provide value to your organization. And so it's approaching that whole recruiting process a little differently. Make it about the candidate. Yes, you're going to promote your company. That's very important. But make the recruiting process about the candidate. They want to feel wanted. So I want to switch gears a little bit now and let's go to the other side of, of the coin. Let's talk about those who are seeking positions and why you should not ghost. I mean, in the same way that an organization should be, you know, make it a personal connection and always keeping communication and open, it should also be reciprocal on the other side. You know, for for one reason is that if you don't communicate, you know, your intentions for not accepting a job you never know in the future who your boss is going to be. You never know. I mean, industries, as more as they're becoming more niche, people are moving together. You know, you, you may, you may be in one job, uh, you know, right now and 10 years from now you, you change companies and your manager might be your manager in this, in this next organization. And so it's very important to understand that, you just, you just never know who you're going to be working with and how important that if, if you ghost, uh, that person is going to remember that. Absolutely. At the entry levels, it's not such a big deal for candidates for the future. So if I don't show up to target one day, that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to know. But when you start getting into more professional jobs, the world is small. And as you said, the industries are more niche and HR people know other HR people. IT people know other IT people. And, you know, they talk and this person ghosted us and all of a sudden it comes out. So it can get around, number one. Number two, those people that were trying to hire you may now work at the company, as you said, that you want to be hired into. So it can definitely stick with you. The other thing is if the company is any size at all, they probably have an applicant tracking system. And in that applicant tracking system is your whole record of when you applied, who contacted you, and oh, by the way, they didn't show up. And so if you decide to go back to that company, because it's a good company, and you apply, they're going to look at your prior record and you're probably not going to get that phone call. Sure. And I, and I think, you know, some people are, tend to be even a little more sensitive, like understanding that, oh, I, you know, I, I don't want to tell someone no, because I don't want to make them feel down or I don't want to have this negative vibe or something around me. And I think even part of that's starting to leak into, you know, I don't want to tell this company no, because then that might make me look bad. So I just won't say anything at all. And though the, the intention may be, you know, good hearted, 
the outcome of it is definitely uh, something that will stick with you. No, that's very true. Although you have to remember the people doing the recruiting, they're people too. And so if I put a lot of time and energy and I go to my boss and say, this is a great candidate and we put them through all this testing and then they ghost me, I might take that personally and so be more likely to talk about that. So I think I understand it's hard to tell people bad news, but that's what adults do is you, you know, tell people and you stand up and when you put yourself in the shoes of the other person and think the least I can do is be polite and tell them so they can move on rather than having them trying to reach you again and again. It's, it's just, it's not professional. It's not mature. And it's really not a good way to be starting your career. And I think finally the, the last negative thing, if you, if you do fall yourself or have the temptation to just make it easy and, and just ghost a potential employer. Well, like you said, you know, in the future, if the economy does slow down and the, the, the hiring power goes back to the employer instead of the employee, well, with that record coming along, I mean, your chances of getting a potential job may be slim to none, especially if there's a lot of other competitive candidates seeking for this sought after position. Well, absolutely. And again, you may want to go back to that company you ghosted because now they've got a great opportunity and there aren't as many opportunities out there. So you desperately want to go work there, but they're not interested in you now because especially, of what you did. And especially if you're in like a niche industry, you know, if you're in a niche career or, you know, in, in a place where maybe there are very few job opportunities for your specific skill set within your community or the area you want to be. Exactly. Exactly. Liz, thank you so much for being guests on our show. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Our show's mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.